Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. heads up. I'm leaving town Wednesday, and I'll be back. When am I back, Mr. Producer? I don't even know. Is it uh, July 6th, maybe? July 8th. July 8th on a Monday. Uh, I'm going overseas, and I'm going to do some radio shows from Israel. And um, you really enjoyed that last time I did it. What was that, two years ago or so? We're going to have some surprise guests. Uh, as well Uh, I'm watching all this on Iran and I must tell you uh, when you try and cut through it all I am a little uh, confused about what we're doing or trying to do people say well that's the object to confuse people it's not a very good object to confuse people well to be un you know unpredictable That's probably not a great idea either. I like it better when it's predictable. You hit us, we hit you harder. And that, of course, is the president's view in domestic politics. I, uh, like everybody else who supports the president, obviously won't let this play out a bit and see how this goes, but um, uh, I, I am a little troubled by it, to be perfectly honest with you. And I'm very troubled by the incessant leaks against the National Security Advisor, obviously coming out of the White House and the code pink wing of the Republican Party, the radical libertarians, uh, who never saw an enemy they wanted to smite, despite the threats to this country. And uh, so that does concern me. Now, the President of the United States will be on Meet the Depressed on Sunday um, with uh, Chuck Todd. And so Meet the Depressed has put out a little piece of this. Uh, in order to encourage people to watch it. Of course, we will not watch it, but we will have clips from it. But here's the clip they put out in their interview of the President of the United States. That Part of it will air on uh, Sunday. Cut three, go. So did you greenlight something, or had you said, uh, if we do it, I'll do this? What was, yeah. it, what was the order you Nothing gave? is greenlighted until the very end, because things okay. change, right? So you and never gave a final no, order? No, 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 no. But we had something ready to go, subject to my approval. And they came in, and they uh, came in about a half an hour before. They said, sir, we're about ready to go. I said, uh, I want a better planes definition. Planes in the air? Were planes no, no, in we're the air? we're about ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, but they would have been pretty soon. Uh, and things would have happened to a point where you wouldn't turn back or couldn't turn back. So uh, they came, and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mm-hmm. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Uh, Sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir, approximately 150. 
And I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, mm -hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was proportionate. Now, let me just suggest this to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure what we mean by proportionate. Are we supposed to shoot down one of their drones? They sink a tanker. We sink a tanker. The issue here is deterrence. Deterrence. They're building nuclear warheads. They're building ICBMs. Uh, they have killed many American soldiers. The issue is deterrence. But on MSNBC today, John Brennan, former head of the CIA under Obama, he was pretty impressed with this. Cut four, go. So I do think that Trump recognized that he needed to explain to his critics exactly why he pulled back. And again, I give him credit, and I rarely do that, but I give him credit for being almost the adult in the room because of the war hawks like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo who are pushing toward this confrontation that is not in anyone's interest, especially the United States. Why, why is it assumed that Pompeo and Bolton are war hawks? We have no idea what they recommended to the president, none whatsoever, no idea. What, what do they want? The president surrounded with a bunch of code pink Republicans and dubs? Now, part of my concern is China's looking at this, Russia's looking at this, North Korea's looking at this. Now, this isn't the end, obviously. Much more can happen. The Iranians do something else. The president pound them. So I, I, I don't dismiss that in the least. But I don't think this is our finest hour. I really don't. And I say this as a strong supporter of the president. And I don't even say this as a critic of the president. I just don't think this was our finest hour. Um, I think there needed to be some kind of retaliation for what they did. Because as of right now, there isn't any that I'm aware of. Is there, Mr. Producer? I looked everywhere. I couldn't find anything. Nothing. So we'll see how this, how this plays out. As I said to Tom Cotton last night, who was on the program, combat veteran, Afghanistan, Iraq, Bronze Star. I said the Israelis have pounded the Iranians pretty good in Syria. When they reach certain points, when they do certain things and so forth. The Iranians haven't lashed out in full-scale war against them. Isn't that worth noting? He thought it was. I, I just point this out to you, um, and then you listen to the hysteria from some of these television hosts. Some of them are quoting the foreign minister of Iran against our own military. Some of them are insisting that if you want some kind of retaliation for what Iran has done and has been doing then you must favor a full-scale war. Now, this is insane. This is irrational. We haven't been in a lot of full-scale wars during the course of our entire history. We've been in a lot of military operations. Here, in part, is what I said on Hannity last night. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go. I want to raise a point with you as I sit here and listen for my segment coming up on this Iranian matter. We're starting to get now propaganda. It sounds like Iranian propaganda coming out of the mouths of Americans. 
Americans who should know better. They ask you, can you point to one example where Iran committed a terrorist act? I can point to many, but let me start with 1983. Beirut, Lebanon. Hezbollah, which is the terrorist militia wing of Iran, blew up our marine barracks with two truck bombs, killed over 250 Americans, most of whom were Marines. That was Iran. Iran was behind that. Stop apologizing for Iran. What I hear tonight and what I'm hearing throughout the day is a bunch of people who are embracing Jimmy Carter's foreign policy of appeasement, of distraction, of excuses, of spin. You can embrace Jimmy Carter's foreign policy, a wild failure, or you can embrace Ronald Reagan's foreign policy, a wild success. I'm also hearing, maybe it's coming from Iran or China or Russia or North Korea, a concerted now, uh, a clear campaign against John Bolton. John Bolton hasn't done anything. He's a national security advisor. He advises the president of the United States. I'm sure China and Russia and North Korea and Iran love it when they hear hosts and others trashing John Bolton, part of a massive propaganda effort. The president of the United States is a strong leader. He's commander in chief. He'll listen to advice from many people. He'll make the decision. But these attacks on Bolton, including leaks coming out of the White House on Bolton, are a disgrace, absolute disgrace. You know, it's not about that. Mark, you and I have discussed this at length, um, and you were chief of staff under a great great attorney general. You worked in the Reagan administration, a man by the name of Ed Meese. Um, And the point here that I'm making is peace through strength is our only option, but you and I have both watched now. Wars started, then politicized, and then we say never mind. I personally would like to see the next generation of sophisticated technology and weaponry where we don't have to send kids there to fight and to do what's necessary from here. Let me tell everybody a little secret. It's a very big world, and there are very many evil genocidal maniacs out there, from the head of Red China to the head of Russia to the head of North Korea to the head of Iran, and I just got started. We're not the problem. We're not the ones who instigate wars. And I'm sick and tired of hearing people on cable TV, in other words, suggest that the president of the United States is provoking anything. We're not provoking a damn thing. In fact, we never provoke anything. You know why we went into Afghanistan? Because that's where 9-11 was hatched. That's where we were attacked. And don't tell me Iraq is a reason not to deal with Iran. One has nothing to do with the other. And the world's always going to be evil. Sometimes there will be war. Sometimes there won't. Sometimes there will be military action. Sometimes there won't. The, t- the word here to keep in mind is prudence, not ideology from the code pink Republicans and the hard left who sound alike, not the radical interventionists. Prudence. The Iranians attacked us. The Iranians attacked oil rigs in commercial waterways. The Iranians have captured American sailors in the past. The Iranians have killed American soldiers in Iraq. Iranians have killed American Marines in Lebanon. Now, I don't know. What do you think Red China would do about this? What do you think Russia would do about this? What do you think any self-respecting nation would do about this? So to turn over and pretend that if we do something, we're provoking, or for God's sakes, to quote the foreign minister of Iran, is a disgrace. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you're hearing all day long. This is what you're hearing all day long. They took out a drone, and if we responded, we'd be killing 150 of them. It's funny. I don't have a problem with that. 
I don't have a problem with that. They're at their various uh, satellite and radar stations. They're military operatives. I just don't have a problem with that. But I'm not the president of the United States, so we'll see how this plays out. I think there is some confusion. If the policy is one of confusion, I think that's a bad policy. Because that can lead to bigger things. So we shall see. I don't think there's any particular foreign or military doctrine in play here. Uh, I think the president's trying to be practical, which is fine. But I think we're dealing with a very, very dangerous enemy here. And so far, there's been zero response to what they did. Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. You know, as I sit here and think about all this, though, I do, I do have to say that Donald Trump always has a way of coming out on top, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? So you can't underestimate the man, and I don't. But as it stands right now, the facts on the table, uh, Iran struck, and we did not strike back. People say that's restraint. Well, it's not restraint. We didn't strike back. Well, we might kill 150 of their young soldiers and so forth. Okay, so be it. That's called a deterrent. Uh, And they're building these uh, ICBMs with these nuclear warheads. They have intentions at some point, perhaps, of killing a hell of a lot more than 150 people. And they've killed a hell of a lot more than 150 of our soldiers. And as I pointed out, in 1983, they killed almost 250 of our Marines. So I kind of feel like we owe them. But we'll see how this plays out. Uh, But I do find the rhetoric and propaganda of the left and the isolationist code pinkers to be disgusting. Arguing on behalf of, as special pleaders for the Iranian military... Well, they say we were in their airspace. Now, that's just bull. Well, you can't really trust the American military. They've lied before. And these are people who claim to be patriots. Patriots. Haven't we learned anything from Iraq? What does this have to do with Iraq? This is called Iran. Is it really that hard to understand the distinction? 
totally different circumstances. Well, what do you want to do? Have a full-scale war? Does somebody want to have a full-scale war? Is anybody raising their hand to a full-scale war? Well, not John Bolton, because they know Bolton can't defend himself and he can't speak. And now it's Pompeo, too. And Pompeo, these warmongers. They don't even know what these guys recommended to the president of the United States. You have some people on TV and on radio who don't want to lose you as an audience or don't want to lose your support. So it's easier rather than attacking the president to attack his staff, you see. That's what they do because they're intellectually dishonest. Intellectually dishonest. Now what has John Bolton done that is so horrific? He served in wonderfully in the Department of Justice where I got to know him in the Reagan administration. He served in the State Department of the Bush administration and then would become the ambassador to the United Nations despite the objections of the liberal Democrats. He's our national security advisor. There's no evidence whatsoever that he's intemperate, that he wants to go to war. He's a realist. Pompeo, he's under attack. Another brilliant man. Served in the House, served as director of the CIA, as Secretary of State now. So now he needs to be attacked. I'm working on this mentally and otherwise. uh, The evidence in front of me, you know how I do this. I'm reading these leaks. I'm looking at these leaks. And I basically have a chart on my desk of the people who are attacked in these leaks and the people who aren't, who are in a rather small circle around the president of the United States. And it's starting to become apparent to me. Who appears in the leaks, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, and Politico, and who doesn't? When senior White House official is leaking. It's not hard to figure out. It's, it's, I mean, I'm starting to narrow it down. It's clearly not Bolton. He's under attack. Clearly not Pompeo. Clearly not Pence. These are men who are under attack. Not the current Secretary of Defense. I guess it's, he's, the, he, he's, he's gone today. Or the incoming Secretary of Defense. Both of them are in the leak, so it's not them. And so you can start breaking it down the way a good detective would. And where I'm kind of focusing in, it's starting to worry me. It's starting to be very, very troubling. And no, I don't believe it's uh, Jared Kushner or Ivanka Trump or them at all. No, 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 no. I don't believe that in the least. That's blood. They wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. There's, there's, uh, there's a couple people who it's starting to become clear to me. Lots more when we return. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound 
to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. Now, we're not leaving this subject, but I want to gather a few more together so we... Uh can see a full panoply of issues that we can sort through together because there are important matters going on. So this is on the table. By the way, Andrew Weissman, remember him? He's got a book deal, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to write about his experience in the Mueller prosecution team, just as I predicted. That is outrageous that you can benefit financially like this. Same with Acosta. Although, whatever he got is all he's going to get. You know, he only sold 6,700 in some books, despite all the attention. But I'm going to get to Weissman a little bit later. There was a dissent, and there was a decision in a Supreme Court case that's very, very important. A Supreme Court case where a man has been convicted repeatedly of murdering four individuals in a furniture store over two decades ago. And Brett Kavanaugh wrote the decision, sending it back for a seventh trial. And I warned you about Brett Kavanaugh. I warned you from day one about Brett Kavanaugh. And they must say, my advice behind this microphone, I'm talking about private advice to the president, was don't pick Brett Kavanaugh. But McConnell said, Now, the disgraceful treatment of Kavanaugh is separate and apart from Kavanaugh the justice. And I warned you folks, given his opinion in the Obamacare case, that this guy was not an originalist, and he's not. And more and more you're going to be upset with this guy. As usual, Daniel Horowitz over at the Conservative Review has written a beautiful piece. I want you to listen to this. None of this is being reported accurately by the press. None of it. By our unfree press. He says there's been 783,453 homicides in this country. Since the black robe masters allowed us to continue our constitutional heritage of meeting out capital punishment for murders. Yet despite the raucous debate surrounding its use, just 1,500 individuals have been executed in 43 years. That's because the worst, most cold-blooded murders have many ways to overturn capital convictions, even when the evidence is beyond a shadow of a doubt. In recent years, Chief Justice John Roberts has been joining the left and opening up a new avenue to disqualify such convictions, namely, tainting the jury pools as racist. With today's opinion, it's clear he now has a companion in Justice Brett Kavanaugh. In Flowers versus Mississippi, Kavanaugh wrote a 7-2 majority opinion overturning a sixth conviction, sixth conviction, of a cold-blooded murderer who was convicted of killing four people 23 years ago. Although he was convicted with evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt, in Kavanaugh's view, the jury pool was racist. 
overturning state due process. This is yet another example of the growing trend of the federal courts taking over state criminal law procedures and according the worst criminals a degree of process that would confound our founders. And it's most often because of racial politics. Nobody disputes the fact that the Mississippi courts convicted Curtis Flowers for the murders based on solid eyewitnesses and physical evidence and that the jury's verdict itself was impartial. But Kavanaugh and the other six justices, and that would include Alito, by the way, believes that the Mississippi Supreme Court erred in ruling that one particular preemptory, that is discretionary strike, conducted by the prosecutor against someone in the jury pool a jury selection for the original trial was animated by, quote, discriminatory intent, unquote, and therefore entitles Flowers to a seventh trial. Remember, he executed four people. In sum, and this is a quote, the state's pattern of striking black prospective jurors persisted from Flowers' first trial through Flowers' sixth trial, concluded Kavanaugh, an opinion that was tinged with racial overtones about the suspect being black and the witnesses, prosecutors, and victims being white. In the six trials combined, the state struck 41 of the 42 black prospective jurors it could have struck. At the sixth trial, the state struck five of six. Justice Thomas, the only African-American on the court, shot back in a very, very aggressive dissent. And he noted that not only does he disagree with the underlying premise and recent precedent, that such facts would be grounds to overturn a conviction. But he disagrees with the notion that there was discriminatory intent. He said the only clear errors in this case are committed by today's majority, wrote an irate Thomas, who's getting tired of these cases, confirming that we never should have taken this case. The court almost entirely ignores and certainly does not refute the race-neutral reasons given by the state for striking Wright and four other black prospective jurors. Listen to this. Two of these prospective jurors knew Flowers' family, that is, the killer's family, and had been sued by Tardy Furniture. That's the family business of one of the victims and also of one of the trial witnesses. One refused to consider the death penalty and apparently lied about working side by side with Flowers, the defendant's sister. One was related to Flowers and lied about her opinion of the death penalty, to try to get out of jury duty. And one said that because she worked with two of Flowers' family members, she might favor him and would not consider only the evidence presented. The state court's findings that these strikes were not based on race are the opposite of clearly erroneous. They are clearly correct. In Thomas's view, today's decision distorts the record of this case, eviscerates our standard of review, and vacates four murder convictions because the state struck a juror who would have been stricken by any competent attorney. Thomas accused the court of granting appeal because the case has received a fair amount of media attention and charged the majority with replacing careful trial records of facts with entertaining melodrama that will result in the litigation and relitigation of criminal trials in the media to the potential detriment of all parties. And he concluded any competent prosecutor would have struck the jurors struck below. Indeed, some of the jurors' conflicts might have been justified for cause strikes. 
And Thomas went on to say that under the Batson versus Kentucky 1986 president of invalidating convictions based on charges of discriminatory intent by the prosecuting jury selection, the standard the Supreme Court must use is whether the state courts were clearly wrong. And Thomas believes the answer is obviously no, based on a wealth of counter evidence he cites in his lengthy dissent. And he says, yet the court majority discovers clear error based on its own review of a near decade old record. The majority apparently thinks that it is in a better position than the trial court to judge the tone of the questions and answers, the demeanor of the attorneys and jurors, the courtroom dynamic and the culture of of Winoa, Mississippi. And Thomas ended his dissent by essentially accusing the majority of ignoring the facts in order to engage in race-based virtue signaling. He wrote, although the court's opinion might boost its self-esteem, it also needlessly prolongs the suffering of four victims' families. Justice Gorsuch joined this part of the dissent, which once again demonstrates that we only have two originalists on the court, not five. Yet still, Thomas stands in a league of his own. He seems to be the only one willing to consistently follow the Constitution. Gorsuch did not join Part 5 of Thomas's dissent, which Thomas declares his disdain for the entire premise, quote, that a duly convicted criminal go free because a juror was arguably de- denied, excuse me, deprived of his right to serve on the jury, in Thomas's words, established in the sacred Batson versus Kentucky case. What's the bottom line for originalists? The bottom line is... We only have one true, solid originalist on the court, Clarence Thomas. Gorsuch is a very reliable ally of Thomas in most cases, but he often won't go as far in rolling back existing bad precedent depending on the issue. Sam Alito, he writes, this is uh, Daniel Horowitz, has become unreliable on many issues, even as he remains quite solid on others. In this case, he indicated that while he normally doesn't like overturning such convictions, He felt this case was likely one of a kind. And Kavanaugh is the new Roberts. Kavanaugh is the new Roberts. hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Even when it was unpopular. Even when it was unpopular and Mark comes under attack. Just as I raise concerns about our lack of a response so far. And I put that in context. So far to Iran's attack on us. Horan's provocation against us and the screeching static of the hard left the screeching static the code pink Republicans who think that if you respond and you retaliate that somehow you're going to have World War III well there's to be World War III it's not because of us it's because of them There's something that's going on tonight that I want to alert you to because it involves the media again, involves the Mueller investigation, involves a lot of things. Text messages, messages that were under seal have been released by a court. They're no longer under seal. And these are text messages exchanged between our buddy Sean Hannity and Paul Manafort. 
And as they write it, Mediate, both of them railed against the investigation, and people familiar with Hannity's show will be unsurprised by a lot of what he had to say in the messages. And they link to the messages, and I've read all the messages. It comes to, I think, 55 or 56 pages, at least on my tablet. And there's not a damn thing there that's problematic. Nothing. Nothing untoward, nothing surprising. As a matter of fact, it's quite monotonous. Quite monotonous. But the New York Times is very excited about this, including a guy by the name of Ken Vogel. Ken Vogel is a leftist. He used to write for Politico. He is a hitman for the left. And in my view, he's very dishonest. He's one of those Democrat Party pseudo-journalists that I've talked about many, many times. He's not alone. And I think to myself, text messages between Hannity and Manafort. And in these text messages, as I read them, Hannity is saying the same things he says on TV about Mueller and the special counsel's office about the mistreatment, not just of Manafort, but but others. And I read these texts, and among other things, he repeatedly tries to get Manafort and or Manafort's attorney to come on his program to talk about what's taking place. That's it. Harmless. Harmless. Now... What's amazing to me here is how did the government get these text messages? Well, of course, they got them off of Manafort's phone. But why were they collecting text messages between Manafort and Hannity? I'm sure nobody will raise a concern under the First Amendment. Will they, Mr. Producer? Freedom of the press covers more than just journalists, you know. Just so-called Workaday journalists. And so my question is, these text messages during the course of a criminal investigation that have absolutely no relevance whatsoever to anything are collected by the special counsel's office, temporarily placed out of seal and now released by a federal judge. Wouldn't you love to see the text messages of Maggie Haberman over there at the New York Slimes? Or our buddy Philly Bump over there at the Washington Compost? Or how about the text messages from Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski to one another and to others? Wouldn't those be fun to read? How about Don Lemon's text messages? Or fake tapouts text messages? Or Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the Cuomos, his text man. Wouldn't they be fun to read? How about Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow and all the, their text messages? Oh, my goodness, those would be a joy. And yet the media are very excited about these text messages between Manafort and Hannity, which are, as I say, relatively monotonous, to be honest with you. Where Sean is essentially saying most of what he says on TV and trying to get an interview. 
Nobody ever talks about the process. Nobody ever talks about civil liberties anymore. It's an amazing thing. How about Ken Vogel? How about his text messages when he worked at Politico or at the New York Times? Can we see those two? Mark, you must hate the press. No, no, no. I love the First Amendment and freedom of the press. I detest the frauds who wrap themselves in it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course. Then we're going to deal with uh, Mr. Weissman, Aristotle's teachings, who got some kind of a book deal because uh, he worked on the Mueller probe as the right hand man. Register for this free course: Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written. At uh, the Mueller team, this Judge Ellis released all in this information. On-demand videos, I went back and I looked again. Thirty minutes long. To this. You'll learn how to confront uh, the chief these obstacles are to happiness. Texts back and forth and between uh, Sean Hennedy and Paul Manafort. Mr. Aristotle Producer, how do you come up with fifty-six pages life. in a row? And if you take this free in other words, from Hillsdale, it had to be organized. Aristotle's advice, your life because these are text messages over a period of time, right? You can learn how to lead a good life. Just as every so they're all organized. Oh yes, yes. I'm a little bit of a detective. So they're all organized in 56 pages, one after the other, after the other, after the other. That means the prosecutors put them together. Use them, not in any particular reason for any particular thing. Put them under seal. I knew the the judge would unseal them for one purpose and one purpose only to try and embarrass Hannity. But they're not embarrassing. Not in the least. There's nothing there that you haven't heard on TV. But the issue for me is none of that. The issue for me is, is this judge not concerned and these prosecutors not concerned about freedom of the press? These are confidential communications. And if the press isn't concerned about it, then they ought to cough up voluntarily their text messages all during this Mueller investigation so you and I can see those, right? Man, oh man, Ashevitz, we got a lot more to go. And by the way, on freedom of the press, still burning up Amazon. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, let me just say this, and we will circle back to callers in a little bit. There are legitimate criticisms and illegitimate criticisms, and much of it depends on the source when it comes to Iran. The left, obviously, uh, is of two minds. Number one, um, they're upset that this Iran deal was withdrawn. Most of the people who are upset haven't even read it, so they don't even know what they're talking about. They just know it's the Democrats and it's Obama, and that's good enough for them. And so they're going to blame the president no matter what happens. This is not a legitimate criticism. There are those on the left who ideologically 
reject military action against Iran. It's enormously dangerous ideology, but that's what it is. That's not a legitimate criticism either of the president or support for the president not acting. Then we have what I call code pink Republicans, and that is these isolationist Republicans who think we've been in so many wars over the course of the last 30 years and and enough is enough. The problem with that, of course, is look throughout humankind. It's a, it's a preposterous idea that you can avoid war just because you want to avoid war. My point is you should try to avoid war, but it's impossible to always avoid it. Why? Because there will always be a Hitler, a Xi, an Islamo-Nazi regime, a communist regime, whatever it is. Whatever it is. We didn't get into World War I because we wanted to. We didn't get into World War II because we wanted to. We had to. Korea, Vietnam, other battles throughout our history. You know, I talked about the Calumbriand Act that was passed in the 1920s. Uh, I guess it would have been the League of Nations back then. And well over 100 countries voted for the Calumbriand Act. And you know what the Calumbriand Act said, Mr. Producer? It outlawed war. Just outlawed war. Yeah. It outlawed war. The problem is, it's like gun control. You pass all the laws you want. But the fact is, there's evil people out there, and they're going to do evil things. So it's not about, well, we're tired of this. No, it's a matter, again, of prudence, not ideology. Prudence. What's in our best interest, given the facts and situation at the time, given our national security priorities, our economic priorities, and on and on and on, and given the nature of the enemy and the actor. You've got to use your noggin. It's not a matter of ideology. And you know, really, when the code pink Republicans have no serious argument, when they just keep lashing out against John Bolton, they have no idea what John Bolton has told the president of the United States, but it doesn't matter. Or lashing out against the uh, war hawks in Washington and washing out. Why don't you just discuss the uh, substance? That would be a good thing. Just discuss the substance. All right. Get to you callers. Just hang in there. I'm very troubled by this report that Andrew Weissman has a book deal. This is in New York Slimes. Andrew Weissman, one of the top prosecutors for Robert Mueller on the Russia investigation, is writing a book that will explore his work on the special counsel's inquiry, according to a publishing executive with knowledge of the deal. Mr. Weissman appears to be the first prosecutor on the special counsel's team to make a deal with a publisher which makes the prospect of an insider account from him especially intriguing. See, for the New York Times, this is good stuff. For you and me, it's like, wait a minute, this putz was on the public payroll. This putz is using now what were, you know, uh, prosecutorial activities to cash in. I knew he would. I said he would. I knew he would. They're all going to try and do it. His book was acquired by Random House. Multiple executives at Random House did not respond to requests for comment, and I would urge the Attorney General of the Department of Justice to look into the ethics of this. 
that report is still being used by the Democrats to try and take out a sitting president of the United States. And this guy, he can't even wait, can't even wait till after the election. He wants to strike gold right now. It's unclear how much detail Mr. Weissman will provide about the inner workings of the investigation and whether his book will provide any major revelations. Mr. Weissman was central to building the government's case against Paul Manafort, Mr. Trump's former campaign chairman. He didn't conduct the investigation into whether President Trump obstructed justice, according to people familiar with the structure of the Mueller team. Now, because Mr. Weissman's going to make money, now we learn more information. Isn't that interesting? Before it was hush, hush. Oh, they don't leak. Oh, hush, hush, hush. Now it's over. Well, this one did this and this one did that. Mr. Weissman's book is likely to be a bestseller, writes the New York Times, given the degree of public interest in the Russian investigation and his position as one of the top prosecutors for Mr. Mueller. I would encourage one or more of the nonprofit legal groups, wink, wink, to make inquiry to the United States Department of Justice whether or not this kind of conduct is acceptable. Mr. Weissman is the latest former Justice Department official to land a major book deal, following best-selling memoirs from the FBI Director James Comey and the former Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe. Mr. Trump fired Mr. Comey. Yeah, yeah, we know. Listen to the New York Times. Mr. Mueller ran a fastidiously leak-proof legal team and remained something of a cipher. At a rare news conference, yeah, we were there, we know. Mr. Weissman stepped down from the special counsel's office this spring, shortly before the release of the Mueller report, and has returned to the faculty of NYU Law School as a senior fellow with the school's Center on the Administration of Criminal Justice. He's scheduled to teach a seminar in the fall on national security law and policy. Mr. Producer, for the 50,000th time, will you reach out to Mr. Weissman and invite him on this program? Now tell him I'm not going to pay him. I mean, you know. He's got his random house deal. You know, I'm not going to accept leaks. Like a man, I want him to step up. Step up. Will he also release his text messages to reporters during the course? You know, this is why months ago I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is why I said there needed to be a leak investigation. Can you imagine what the texts of these prosecutors have to say? with their connections with the media. The reason why the Washington, the uh, New York Slimes writes that Mueller ran a fastidiously leak-proof legal team is because he didn't. Publishers have been paying hefty sums for memoirs and tell-alls from former administration officials with insight into the turbulent Trump White House and Justice Department and have had some blockbusters as a result. Mr. Comey's memoir, A Higher Loyalty, sold more than one million copies. Mr. McCabe's became an instant bestseller, reaching number one on Amazon. Something very, very wrong about all this, folks. Something very, very wrong about a prosecutor who recently stepped down, who was involved in changing people's lives, involved in trying to take down a president of the United States, who was a Clinton supporter, who was at the Clinton Victory Party, and now he's going to cash in with Random House. Cash in with Random House. 
I don't know what's going to be in this book, but it seems quite strange to me. Now, if I were Republican on Capitol Hill, I would demand that Mr. Weissman be subpoenaed and forced to testify about information in that report. Uh, I don't know where the United States Senate is, folks. The Republicans control it. I, I don't know where our friend Lindsey Graham is. I don't know where this guy Richard Burr is. I don't know where any of them are. But they should all be demanding that Mr. Weissman testify. He has no excuse now. He's writing a book. He's getting paid for a book. And there's a lot to ask the man. And while they're at it, they should ask for his text messages. So uh, Mr. Voigt, or whatever his name is, over there at the New York Slimes can, uh, can publish those as well. I'll be right back. Mark in. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. By the way, I stand corrected. It wasn't Judge Ellis, but it was Judge Amy Berman, the District of Columbia, an Obama appointee who has been pro-prosecution and anti-Manafort from day one, really a disgrace, a left-wing hack. Uh, she's the one who released the uh, texts because she thought they were very, very important for the nation. Um, so I thought I would, uh, I would point that out. So here we have Mr. Weissman with a book deal. Anybody have a problem with that other than me? I have a big problem with that. And the media won't care. The media won't care. I want to point something out to you. There was a, uh, a public editor at the New York Times at one point, but his name was Daniel Ockrent. And in April 25th, 2004, he actually wrote something that was right on. It was right on. I want you to listen to this. This is from page 224 of Unfreedom of the Press. I haven't read this to you before. With very few exceptions, the longer you've been here, meaning the New York Times... With the higher you've risen in the organization, the less likely you are to believe that the New York Times is or should be the paper of record. Metro columnist Clyde Haberman told me that in his 27 years at the Times, he said, I've never heard anyone inside the paper refer to it as that way. Reporter Richard Perez Pena, an 11-year veteran, said, I don't think I've ever heard my colleagues here use the phrase except rarely 
in an ironic, almost self-mocking tone. I think that's because they recognize both the impossibility of fulfilling that role and the deadening effect it could have on the paper. Catherine Balton, deputy editor of the paper's Sunday magazine, said, We understand now that all reporting is selective. With the exception of raw, original source material, there really isn't anything of record. Now, is there? Here's another way of stating it, he writes, in a heterogeneous world, whose record is one newspaper even in the position to preserve? And what group of individuals, no matter how talented or dedicated, would dare arrogate to itself so godlike a role? If you rely on the Times as your only source of news, you're buying into the conceptions, attitudes, and interests of the people who put it out every day. It cannot be definitive. And asking it to be is a disservice to both the staff and the readers. I mean, no disrespect to the New York Times, but what discriminating citizen can really afford to rely on only one source of news? Now, I point out that, of course, Ockrent was right, that news organizations like the Times have conceptions, attitudes, and interests of the people who put it out every day which speaks to the Times' frequent and obvious interchangeable use of its news and editorial pages in service to the progressive ideology and the Democratic Party program, like so many media organizations these days. Moreover, he and the colleagues with whom he spoke acknowledge further that they are not in the business of simply reporting the news, for it would have a deadening effect, they said, on the newspaper. Thus, they neither seek nor deliver objectivity in their news reporting, Its role is news with social activism, agenda driving, interpretation, analysis, etc., as a siren for the progressive cause. I've been watching the reporting on the president's decisions respecting Iran, and I've given you my opinion. I gave him in the first hour. So I'm not a sycophant in this regard. But I've been watching the reporting. It's no different than the rest of the reporting during the course of this presidency from day one. It's demeaning. It's attack mode. It is mocking. And that's what they do. We even have some of them who are special pleaders for Iran. The Iran deal. The Iran foreign minister. Shocking, really. This is an Islamo-Nazi regime. It's an Islamo-Nazi regime, in my humble opinion. Or at least a Nazi-like regime, let me put it that way. A Nazi-like regime. And look at the reporting. It's really appalling. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Chad, Chicago, Illinois. Sirius Satellite, how are you, sir? Good. Mark, you have a great show. I love listening to you, and I actually bought your book. Thank you. And I just want to say, um, uh, President Trump, this is just a... He's like a surgeon, a neurosurgeon. He's doing neurosurgery, and he has all these assistants around him helping First him. First of all, this, this noise on your phone, is, it's, it's, it sounds like a constant propeller. Is this better? 
Okay. Yes, thank you. So he, he is like a neurosurgeon, who, I mean, brain surgeon, neurosurgeon, doing surgery, and he has assistants around him, helping him, all his assistants. And these people that are criticizing him are a bartender, you know who she is, a yes. bartender, a, a man who has an intelligence. By the way, I don't even know if she was a good bartender. Nobody's ever checked that out. Well, it doesn't matter. She still was a bartender. And I don't put down bartenders, even though I don't drink. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, an intelligence of a doorknob. Yes, you know who sounds is. like me, yes. Yes, the, you know the guy who I'm talking about. Yeah, Joe Biden. I use the phrase all the time. Yes, and and all these, you know, you probably remember the show called Beverly Hillbillies. Jethro, he was a sixth grade. Thank racer. you for your call, sir. What do we do? I mean, okay, got it. Got it, got it, got it. No offense. Let's try Scoop. Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, a lifelong Democrat. Well, why would you be a lifelong Democrat? Hi, good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Okay, so why are you a lifelong Democrat? Well, I, would, I always liked the Democratic Party. I like JFK. I like Bill Clinton. I like Barack Obama. And I well, obviously, like you're a lifelong Democrat. Yeah, but I, you know, I still tune into your show from time to time. So. Well, there you go. So anyway, Mark, what I was calling to say is yes. that I, don't, I think we should just let Iran do what they want to do, sure. do what we want to do, and that way everybody will be happy. Because if you think about it, we have, we have intervened in so many countries. No, we haven't. No, no, we haven't. No, we haven't intervened in so many countries. And this moral relativism between the United States and Iran is really grotesque. Now I know why you're a lifelong Democrat, probably like AOC and Talib and Omar, too. Actually, sir, we're a righteous country. We're Americans. You celebrate D-Day, sir? I do. And did you celebrate the anniversary of D-Day? Yes, sir. I well, why, do. Did, why did you do that? Because it's patriotic, but I believe... Oh, no, 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 sir. You're, you're mumbling ahead. You don't even know what you're saying. We have nothing in common with this regime in Iran. Do you understand? Them over the Get year. off my phone, you schmo. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. 
And, you know, the uh, Democrats don't get enough credit. Obama, Kerry, Hillary Clinton, they don't get enough credit for helping to build up the Iranian military with billions and billions in funds and giving them aid and comfort during the course of the of the last year and a half and so when the President of the United States has put the brakes on Iran's uh, economy. How come nobody talks about that? How come nobody talks about the Democrats aiding and abetting and enabling the Iranians? Let's go to Paul Fredericksburg, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, Mark, I want you to, I want you to sleep well tonight. Listen, when you were working with Reagan... Yes, and I, was out, and I was out in the Western Pacific on a warship. That right. Korean airliner, Korean airliner, was shut down, and everybody wanted to. Everybody wanted to pickle off missiles, but your boss held his fire. No, 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 no. Everybody didn't want to fire off missiles. It was the Soviet Union, for God's sakes. You're comparing the Soviet Union to Iran? No, we hated the Soviet Union. And, and by the way, what happened to the Soviet Union? Where is the hey, Soviet Union? All I know is a very... Hold on now. Where's the Soviet Union today? Yeah, they're a little bit in tatters. They don't exist. You're missing, you're missing my point. No, your analogy is irrelevant. The fact is the South Korean airline went into prohibited Soviet airspace. They shot it down. I wish they hadn't. They shouldn't have shot it down, but they did shoot it down. And you're saying everybody was talking about shooting missiles. Nobody was talking about shooting missiles. Oh yes, sir. They were because I was I was looking at I was looking at another Soviet missile destroyer face to face. You may, and we still do look at Russian missile destroyers face to face. Nobody was talking about firing missiles into the Soviet Union. Name one official who did. Listen, my point is, when you're the biggest, baddest boy in the Valley of Shadow of Death, you do not have to jump. Nobody said you do have to jump. Your analogy between the Soviets and Iran is ridiculous. You, when, when we deal with China, and China does things, we're not talking about shooting missiles into China either. Tell me, we invaded Grenada. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Would we invade the Soviet Union? No. What was not. a greater threat to the United States, the Soviet Union or Grenada? My point is Trump. No, no, your point is imprudent. It's irrational. And what I'm trying... Listen, guys, this isn't a matter of defending Trump or not defending Trump. This is my problem with these, these idiotic arguments. You got to be prudential about it. I'm not even attacking the president, but there you are. You, you knee jerk right into this. The thing is that Trump, uh, Trump, what? I'm he's a, he's flesh and blood. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's getting advice from people. You don't even listen. You keep talking. And so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying so far we haven't done anything. That's a huge mistake. Reagan had a mission and his mission was to destroy the Soviet Union. And I believe and I hope that's the president's mission here. But the fact of the matter is, it's not Mark Levin. It's the president who put all those military assets there. Why did he do it, Paul? We can temper our response. Why did he put all those military? Why do we have B-52 bombers in Qatar right now? Because, because we can pull the trigger anytime we want. Why do we have them? We, I know that. Everybody in the audience knows that. Why did we move B-52 bombers to Qatar? If we need to do anything, that's a heavyweight response. No, but why did we move them there in the last 60 days? To try to calm down the... Thanks for your call. Get lost with your psychobabble. Try to calm down like a lib. He can't answer the question. Folks, I didn't order B-52 bombers to go to Qatar. 
with the ability to take out Tehran. I didn't order the USS Abraham Lincoln there. I didn't order all these fleets and all these missiles and everything there. They're there. They're there. I assume they're there as a deterrent. Why else would they be there? Okay, now the Iranians responded. The president has decided not to respond militarily. Fine, let's see how this plays out. But don't hand me the South Korean airline taken down by the Soviets. What did Reagan do to Libya after the terrorist act in Bali? He tried to take out Gaddafi. He sent our bombers over to Libya. And they were fueled in midair because nobody would let them stop anywhere. I go on and on and on. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I, it doesn't matter. Can't have a rational discussion about this stuff. It's really preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Everybody was talking about shooting missiles into the Soviet Union. How stupid is that? We lived through that. Nobody was talking about shooting missiles into the Soviet Union with their massive nuclear arsenal. Nobody. Nobody talks about that today. It's so ridiculous. Rewrite history to make your point. If you make the point that you feel that the president probably has a bigger strategy or he wants to look for other options, that's a rational argument. But that John Bolton and uh, the warmongers and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, remember when Reagan withheld from shooting missiles into the... These are stupid arguments. They're not even rational. They're not even arguments. Relax. Relax. You know, you know how much I love my extra. And given how much better I feel and how much more productive I am since switching to it, I think it's an amazing value, too. But we just got word from the manufacturer that, like many businesses today, some of their material costs have gone up. So they're going to need to institute a price increase as a result. Take my advice and jump on buying your X chair now before the increase goes into effect. This is your chance to get an amazing chair that will truly transform your work life and save some money. But hurry, because the prices are going up on July 8th. That's what I'm told. Just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com right now, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com now and use code XWHEELS, and you'll receive a free set of the new X-WHEELS with your chair. Remember, prices are going up on July 8th. So please go online today and save at xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. You know, it's like 9-11. After the fact, how did this happen? Why didn't we know about it? Why didn't we do anything about it before it got to this point? Well, think about that now. Well, look. You know, it's just uh, whatever, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh uh, three stages of chess, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, no. Be prudent. Use your noggin. Iran's not going away. Iran's not going away. All right. You know what? I'm going to take some calls now. Let's go to Earl. 
Hubert, North Carolina, the great WTIB. Go. Can you lower your radio, please, Earl? Yeah, it's Harold. Okay, Harold, lower your radio, please. Okay. All right, you're on. Go right ahead. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Rand. A lot of the, um, some of the other shows that people are calling in all right, thanks for your call. I can't hear him. He had his radio on. It just kind of screws up the program. And rather than keep telling him how to use a phone, I just got to move on. Jeff, Los Angeles, California, 870 AM, The Answer. Go. Mr. Levin, thanks for giving me the time to call and to talk to you. Yes. I, as I told your screener, I'm an Iranian by birth. I lived here for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working for the uh, DOD, for the U.S. government. And one thing that a lot of people, a lot of your callers are missing is that they don't understand. Iran at the present time has over 40,000 agents across the world. That's Mm -hmm. 40,000 that we know of. And this does not include the proxies like Lebanon, Hezbollah, and other groups that are spread out all over the place. Mm -hmm. To fight with Iran directly, as some of the people are suggesting, is madness in Mm -hmm. itself. I haven't heard one person say that. In fact, I've heard the opposite. Everybody's saying, don't let them live alone. Don't bother them. Don't do this. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, Well, you know, this has to come to an end sooner rather than later. But the Iran of today is not the Iran of 10 years ago. They have become so uh, entrenched with governments, even governments in South America, as close as Mexico, our southern border. They have so many... So what is your point? I'm not following it. No, the point is that, you know, you hear all these different talks, all these different variations that people say attack, don't attack. I think there has to be a complete uh, approach to it, not only a militarily, uh, military approach, but also a political approach. Well, so far there hasn't been a military approach. At some point it's going to have to be. Well, at some point it's going to have to be because they're going to provoke it. See, Iran, they've told us what they want to do. They've told us they want to take out Saudi Arabia. They want to crush Jordan. They want to devour Lebanon through Hezbollah. They want to push the Jews into the sea. And they want nuclear warheads aimed at the United States. Now, that sounds to me like a problem. I don't care how many agents they have all over the world. Uh, There's, like I said, I I do work on this project on a daily basis, and this is the estimate. 40,000 known. Okay, so I'm asking, okay, there's 40,000 agents, and there are. Not only that, that that may or may not include Hezbollah, which is uh, drug running all over the world, including in the United States and South America. Okay, so what is your point? My point is, at some point, we really have to deal with Iran and deal with it because uh, in a proper way, because every administration... How do we deal with it in a proper way? I I think Iran is ripe to have the... uh, what happened in the, during the Shah's regime, how the Shah was ousted, I think the people are ready for, for new, new leadership in Iran. Well, so the do I. Is that there's no leader that can take, can, that can rally the, the people around. It's not a matter of no leader who, who can rally the people around. They're, they'd say kill a regime. It's a brutal regime. It's got, uh, its, it's got its own gulag, so it's very difficult for a leader to emerge who isn't shot in the back of the head. Absolutely. But um, I just wanted to share that, uh, that bit of information, which I'm sure you probably knew. No, I didn't, but I appreciate it. Thank you. 
Not sure what to do with it, quite frankly. All right, let's continue. Roya, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer. How are you, Roya? Mark, it's so great to speak with you. And I met you about a couple of weeks ago at the Ronald Reagan Library. Yes, thank you. I was the one who was wearing the uh, Rush Limbaugh shirt about um, uh, liberty. And it it was just such an honor to see you. Thank you. Thank you. But, Mark, it's so frustrating to see what's going on here right now and how the Iranians are just playing us and think that we're nothing but another GW administration. And, oh, you know. Roy, let, let 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 me cut to the chase here before the break. We have these Jimmy Carter callers, these Jimmy Carter Republicans, these Jimmy Carter Democrats. He let Iran walk all over them, and they did. And that's why I said on Hannity last night, we really have a choice. We can go the route of Reagan or go the route of Carter. And the route of Carter is a very, very dangerous route. And so that's pretty much where we are. Um, And... You can hear all the Carterites and the uh, Code Pink Republicans. You can hear them even call me, you know, trying to make irrational parallels um, and so forth. There's a thousand reasons you can argue for not doing something. But in the end, you need to protect this country. And you want to protect this country over there and not over here. Go ahead. Exactly. But it's like negotiating with a Komodo dragon. It's like, okay, here we are trying to negotiate with the Islamo-Nazis. Well, it's not going to work. It never worked. It's been 40 years. When is it going to work? It's not going to work. No, it won't won't work. Uh, But, uh, you know, I just, I don't think, you know, we looked at this D-Day and we celebrated D-T and I asked at the time, and I ask every year, do we have the stomach to do that again if we had to? I, I have some questions. There, there are men and women among us who do. There's no question. They're in our military now. But as a population, do we? I, I have some questions about that. Because here we are dealing, dealing with Iran. Uh, there, I, I also said the other. You think China would put up with this for two seconds? You think Vladimir Putin would put up with this for two seconds? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think so. And it's what, this, is, this has been going on for years, killing American soldiers in Iraq, killing American Marines in Lebanon, their terrorist activities with Hezbollah and other organizations and groups. I mean, this is why I bring it up, and, and, I, and you ought to see the anti-Semites online. In Syria, when Iran creates a threat to Israel, what does Israel do to these Iranian forces? It obliterates them. It's time. It's time. I'm just saying it attacks them. All right, Roya, thank you for your call. It doesn't go to war with Tehran. It deals with it. It's a tiny country. Our military's far bigger and stronger. This doesn't mean I favor interventionism or anything of that sort, which I have to keep saying because the left and the code pinkers and the, and the Jimmy Carter acolytes, they all say the same damn thing because that's all they can do. That's all they can do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Let me ask you, uh, some of you callers out there, if the President of the United States had struck militarily against Iran, you'd be calling me in support of it, right? You can't be knee-jerk about this stuff. You can't be, I'm on this team, I'm on that team. You got to use your head. You have to use your head. If the President had... And the President has said, he's, he's made it clear, he didn't think killing 150 or so... Iranian and their soldiers was proportionate to them taking out a drone. But if that had been a, uh, a, a manned aircraft, that would have been totally different. Well, let's say there is one pilot in a jet and it's shot down. Does that mean one Iranian? I mean, I'm just, it's it just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not all that persuaded by these arguments. Do you wish the double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. People look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. Here's Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put Genesaw jawline cream on my neck two or three days ago. This is the best my neck has looked in 20 years. People told me my face looks young, and I'm blown away. Well, with Chaminade's MDL technology, Genesaw's brand new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin on the neck area for tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. You'll see your mirror smile back at you, or 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Call now, and the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness is free with your order. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesel immediate effects is all yours free. No double chin, no turkey neck, no sagging jawline, because no one needs to know your age. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free shipping right now. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Lots of other stuff going on, too. You might not have heard. What do you make of what's going on in Texas? The Texas Tribune. Obviously, they feel this is relevant. The headline, Texas gained almost nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident last year. The Texas Tribune. I assume they're not saying that for racist reasons, Mr. Producer. I guess they're trying to make a point. And what is the point? And what does that mean to Texas politically down the road? We'll explore this and much more. And I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now. 
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. This is the Texas Tribune. Texas gained almost nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident last year. Now, why are the media and the left, a.k.a. one and the same, so focused on this? I'm reading this, and I will be accused of being the one who's focused on this. I'm not focused on it. I'm looking at it because it was presented to me. I was unaware of this. Were you aware of this? New census estimates show Texas Hispanic population growth continues to surpass white population growth with Hispanics on pace to soon represent a plurality. Does that mean the people writing this are white supremacists that they're concerned about this? Alexander Yura and Connie Hans Hang Jin. Unlikely. It goes on. The gap between Texas Hispanic and white populations continued to narrow last year when the state gained almost nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident, with Hispanics expected to become the largest population group in Texas as soon as 2022, three years from now. New population estimates released Thursday by the U.S. Census Bureau showed the Hispanic population climbed to nearly 11.4 million, an annual gain of 214,736. Uh, That's through July 2018, and an increase of 1.9 million since 2010. 1.9 million since 2010. The white population, meanwhile, grew by just 24,075 last year. All this talk about everyone leaving California for Texas is not true. They may be leaving California, but they're not all going to Texas. That's obvious. Texas still has a bigger white population, up to 11.9 million last year. But it has only grown by roughly 484,000 since 2010, not the 1.9 million that Hispanics have grown. The white population's growth has been so sluggish this decade that it barely surpassed total growth among Asian Texans, who make up a tiny share of the total population in the same time period. The estimates come as lawmakers begin to sharpen their focus on the 2021 redistricting cycle, when they'll have to redraw the state's congressional and legislative maps to account for population growth. And they highlight the extent to which the demographics of the state continue to shift against the Republican Party. Now, hold on here. The Texas Tribune. First, they focus on the race aspect. Nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident last year. Then, they explain that With the increased Hispanic population, that is bad news for the Republican Party. During the last go-round, which is still being litigated in federal court, Hispanics accounted for about 65% of the state's growth. With about two years of growth left to go, their share of Texas population increased since 2010, reached 54% last July. The Hispanic community is growing in numbers across the state, but 47% of Texas Hispanics now live in the state's five biggest counties, Harris, Bexar, Dallas, Tarrant, and Travis. 
Home to Houston, Harris County leads the list with more than 2 million Hispanic residents. But Hispanic growth since 2010 continues to be most significant in Tarrant County. With a growth rate of 26%, the Hispanic population in Tarrant County reached 609,000 last year, up from 482,977 in 2010. But while Hispanics' numbers are growing the most, the state's Asian community is growing the fastest. And it goes on. What are we to make of this? So here we have a liberal publication, really, the Texas Tribune. It draws our attention to the fact that almost nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident last year uh, took place. That in three years, the Hispanic population will be larger than the white population in Texas. And that this is bad news for the Republican Party, they say, uh, as the state demographics continue, I'm quoting, to shift against the Republican Party. Isn't this interesting? Isn't this interesting? Even a liberal outlet understands that immigration of this kind works for the Democrat Party and against the Republican Party. They don't say it in this article, but this is precisely why the Democrat Party will never do anything about border security, why they want to eliminate ICE, why they don't want an effective barrier on the southern border, why they first claim that this was a manufactured crisis. This tells you exactly why. If they flip Texas, we cannot win a presidential election. If Texas becomes a dark purple or blue state, we cannot win the Electoral College. There's no way we can win the Electoral College. That's what's taking place. And while the Texas Tribune lays out all the elements, it doesn't give the conclusion. So I give the conclusion. And this is quite shocking. This is why Ted Cruz and even Governor Abbott had such tough races. And this is why the Democrats took a number of House seats in Texas. They're trying to turn Texas into California. California used to be a red state. Texas used to be a bright red state. Nevada used to be a red state. New Mexico was a quasi-red state. Colorado used to be a red state. Virginia used to be a red state. Georgia used to be a bright red state. They've all either gone down the tubes or they're real battlegrounds now. Let me move to another issue here. I have to be careful because I'm not allowed to attack colleagues. This propaganda campaign against John Bolton where one left-wing hack after another appears on television trashing John Bolton as a warmonger and smearing John Bolton without any knowledge whatsoever in what John Bolton's doing in the Oval Office when he advises the President of the United States is the thing of the Marxist left. That's what the Marxist left does. And it is absolutely appalling to take this patriot who has served now in three administrations 
who used to be the, the target of the left, is now the target of the code pink Republicans. It is appalling to me. Absolutely appalling to me. That such a smear campaign takes place on cable TV. It disgusts me. It truly does. Now we have a boogeyman, you see. It's not the man who runs Iran. It's our national security advisor. They attack John Bolton, these fools, more than they attack the brutal dictator and killer who threatens America and runs Iran. This is, again, the thing of the left. This is the thing of the Bernie Sanders left. They're trying to do to John Bolton what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. Except some of the people we know are doing it now. And they bring in these absolute kooks to make their case because this is called propaganda. You know, as I say, I've written this book, as you know, on freedom of the press. But propaganda is also the thing of the right if they choose to use it that way. The vast majority of us do not. The vast majority of us do not. But the campaign against Bolton is no better than what the left and the media did to the President of the United States with Russia collusion. No better at all. And to cherry-pick guests who are hacks, who are left-wing kooks, or isolationists, and make that case against an honorable patriot is really appalling. It's exactly what we attack the left and the media for doing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So let's address this uh, an unfreedom of the press, propaganda, and pseudo events. These attacks on Bolton. Remember, we talked about this this guy Bernays, a propagandist, really the, the, the first to really explain it in any kind of scientific way. He believed in the power of propaganda, the manipulation and brainwashing of the masses. And that's what's happening in the attacks on Bolton. The minority, he wrote, that is masterminds or elites. And have you noticed more and more elites pretend they're part of the people, even though they've never been? has discovered a powerful help in influencing majorities. It has been found possible so to mold the mind of the masses that they will throw their newly gained strength in the desired direction. In the present structure of society, this practice is inevitable. Whatever of social importance is done today, whether in politics, finance, manufacturing, agriculture, education, and so forth, must be done with the help of propaganda. Propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. So what you're seeing now is propaganda directed at who? Bolton. He has to be the new boogeyman. He has to be the new boogeyman. You see, when people talk to you this way, and they cherry-pick their guests to bring on people who are going to advance their propaganda line, they don't believe you're capable of enlightened thinking and decisions in a republic. 
So they need to be led by those who supposedly are, or at least by those who self-servingly claim to be. And that's what you're seeing by the mouthpieces who are attacking John Bolton. And here's the funny thing. They don't have the foggiest idea what advice John Bolton has given the President of the United States. None. And so, in addition to propaganda, what they're serving you is a pseudo-event. They don't know what John Bolton has told the President of the United States. So they're not only giving you propaganda in their smears of John Bolton, they're lying to you because they don't know what he's told the President of the United States. They have no idea. Pseudo-events, no better than Jim Acosta. Fake news. He says this is uh, pseudo-events spawn other pseudo-events. Nowadays, wrote Daniel Borstein, who came up with this concept, and rightly so, nowadays the test of a Washington reporter is seldom his skill at precise dramatic reporting, but more often his adeptness at dark intimidation. If he wishes to keep his new channels open, he must accumulate a vocabulary and develop a style, which is exactly what we see. Exactly what we see. Pseudo-events. What did John Bolton tell the President of the United States? What kind of advice has he given him? Do you know, Mr. Producer? None of us know. So why the big lie? Why the effort to position him? Why the effort to talk down to you and dumb down your information? The President of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, is in charge. No advisor, particularly with respect to this President. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. He'll get advice. He'll get advice. And we have no idea what advice he got. None. So you see a combination of propaganda and pseudo-events. And the propaganda in the cherry-picking of guests, the cherry-picking of phrases and arguments... And the pseudo-events in claiming that somebody wants war with Iran when in fact the mouthpiece who's giving you that information has no idea if they want war with Iran. Well, in the past, Iran has done a lot of things in the past. The issue is what advice is he giving this president? And why all the hate towards Bolton and all the capitulation and passivity towards the Iranian regime? And you're hearing this more and more. This is truly how Washington works, or the dysfunction of Washington. And you have people who come to you and claim that they're anti-Washington, who've spent their entire lives in and around Washington. And they claim to you that they represent you, the little guy, the masses. Based on what? Based on their own proclamation, their own declaration? They don't represent anybody. Nobody. These are tough times, and as a citizen, you really have to break these things down. You really have to break these things down. In the end, as I said in the first hour, whether we agree or disagree or are wondering about what the president may or may not do with respect to Iran, we know this. He loves America. 
And in the end, he always seems to wind up on top. And those are good things. Imagine if Hillary Clinton were president. Or one of the other clowns in the Democrat Party. So the attacks on John Bolton are really an effort at propaganda, an effort to convince you with a pseudo-event, an effort that is based on no factual information whatsoever about what he's actually told the President of the United States. And it disrespects you as a thinking person. Again, these are the tactics of the hard left. The tactics of the hard left. If you get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, you'll be able to see this too, and you probably see it anyway. I hope you will, because it's getting thick with propaganda out there and getting thick with pseudo-events out there. It really is. When you listen to somebody say something, and you say, wait a minute. Didn't we like John Bolton when he was UN ambassador? Yeah, we did. Weren't we happy when the president chose him as national security? Yeah, yeah, we did. Well, what's changed? Nothing has changed. Nothing. So you, you ask discerning questions. Well, what exactly did he tell the president that, that deserves this kind of uh, smear? We have no idea. But we know he's a warmonger, right? A warmonger? He worked for Reagan, he worked for Bush, he works for Trump. All three presidents must be warmongers too. And this is the other thing that bothers me about this kind of propaganda and uh, pseudo-slash-news. It really is a put-down of our own country. While people dress themselves up as populists, as nationalists, while supporting America, here we have an enemy in Iran that makes its intentions well-known, hates us, despises us, has kidnapped Americans, has tortured Americans, has killed Americans, and the attack is on John Bolton? Seriously? I'll be right back. Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. By the way, the last I'll say in this, at least tonight, Bolton has been right about Iran from day one. So was Reagan from day one. If you've been paying attention to the news, and I know you do, You know that progressive tech giants like Google and Facebook are trying to silence conservative voices. Now, we recently had Stephen Crowder on our program, and he described to us how YouTube removed his ability to monetize his popular conservative channel. They're trying to destroy him by choking off his income. Unfortunately, this is not the first time this has happened, and in fact, it's getting worse every day. Well, we don't have this problem at Levin TV. Why? Because we're not dependent on these leftist tech giants for anything. That's why, with your support, we'll continue to bring you independent, patriotic, uncensored, unafraid programming that you cannot find anywhere else. For a limited time, you get $30 off 
an already amazingly affordable annual subscription. $30 off our $99 a year subscription brings it down to 69 bucks. And so, here's where I want you to go. It's long. Get ready. Go to get.blazetv.com slash Levin. Ready? Get.blazetv.com slash Levin. Get.blazetv.com slash Levin. One more time. Get.blazetv.com slash Levin. Right now. To sign up and use code free speech. And when you type in the code, you have to type free speech as one word. Now, Mr. Bedusa, isn't the person responsible for marketing, shouldn't they be fired? I mean, honest to God, I'm just... That's get.blazetv.com slash Levin. And use code free speech. Use it as one word. What else can I tell you, folks? That's all I know. That's all I can tell you. All right, let's see if I can pull up my uh, call screen. Of course, I cannot. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It just popped up. You know, if it wasn't a violation of some environmental protection rule, I'd throw this damn computer right in the river. Right in the river. Uh, let's see. Tom Glendora, California, 870, the answer, the great KRLA. Go. Hey, thank you, Mark. I'd throw my computer in the ocean, too. I'm very happy. Tomorrow is our anniversary of me and my dear wife. 51 years, Mark. Holy mackerel. God bless her. Two of them good. No, I'm kidding. Yes, of course. Anyway, let me get serious here. (laughs) Well, make that 51 and over, pal. All right, go right ahead. I'm uh, calling from the socialist state of California under Governor Gruesome Newsom. Yes. suffering greatly. But my comment... I've been increasingly a stronger and stronger supporter of President Trump. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I'm very concerned that his inaction relative to the latest nonsense of the shooting down of our drone by Iran is a very dangerous thing in that it signals to me weakness. It signals weakness to Kim Jong fat boy in North Korea, to Red China, to the Islamo fascist in Iran, to Vladimir in Russia, and I think it's critical he do something proportional, like he said, but don't tell them it's going to be proportional, just do it. If they come back with something worse, we respond immediately in like kind. I think it's time to really show these terrorists worldwide, and maybe the Democrat wimps who are a threat to our very democracy, that unlike Obama, Trump means business. You know, you know, uh, I, I agree with most of what you say, and it's interesting, pre-9-11, the attitude of the code pink Republicans that you hear on cable TV and the attitude of the left actually was public policy. That's it was actually public policy. You remember uh, on multiple occasions, Bill Clinton chose not to attack uh, these terrorist cells. And that was kind of the mentality. Just kind of leave them alone. If you have to hit them, hit them, but kind of leave them alone. And we paid a severe price for that. And people forget this. Instead, they want to talk about the Soviets shooting down the South Korean airline or John Bolton is a warmonger and so forth and so on. Not only do actions have consequences, your point is inaction has consequences. And it's particularly true today. You're right. Given uh, the posture in now with China, Russia and North Korea, we've muscled up to confront 
all three of them, and we've muscled up to confront Iran. And here's the one saving grace, though. I know this president well enough to know that he's not a fool, that he's a very smart man, that he wants to do what's right, that he loves this country, and you can only push him so far. That's not the same with the Democrats. My problem is these people who go on TV who keep trying to pressure him, pressure him, pressure him uh, to basically uh, become Jimmy Carter and who are trashing his, his, among his best advisors in order to try and create a divide between the president and his advisors without even knowing what his advisors have said. Don't you find that diabolical? You know, Mark... Trump certainly has his faults, and I've learned to accept them, but the damn Democrat socialist Marxists who will ruin this country, as you and I both know, they can't give the guy one ounce of credit for anything. Not the economy, not realizing Israel's uh, capital is Jerusalem, and on and on it goes. Uh, It's sickening. All right, my friend. You take care. All right, my friend. Rand Paul joins in, and I don't know, when it comes to national security, I always turn to Rand Paul. Uh, Rand Paul, again, he replaces ideology with prudence. If you pull out your copy of Liberty and Tyranny, and I talk about uh, the chapter on defense, it's called self-preservation. And self-preservation is about prudence. I mean, uh, national security is about prudence. And he says here, uh, I continue to urge the real Donald Trump to stick to his principles and avoid starting another war in the Middle East. So Donald Trump would be starting another war in the Middle East. And he goes on about the neocons around the president. See, now we have a drumbeat of propaganda going on. The neocons around him are salivating for conflict. Don't do it, Mr. President. He has no idea, Rand Paul what anybody is advising the President of the United States. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. The chip off the old man's block, Ron Paul, who, by the way, doesn't like Donald Trump, just so you know. All right, let's see. In fact, who did he back? He backed that, uh, I forget her name, who's running for President of the United States on the Democrat side. I forget the name. Uh, let's go to Sam, Ocala, Florida, the great WSKY. How are you? I'm doing good, Mr. Levin. How are you doing today? All right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, long-time caller, first-time or long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, thank just you. Just a couple of things. Um, I work at a gas station in my little town because I live actually about an hour outside of Ocala, and during the D-Day celebration day, our anniversary, I was telling people as they leave to go ahead, go out there, thank a veteran. You know, if it wasn't for them, we might not have succeeded in what we did on D-Day. Mm-hmm. And what blows my mind is so many of these kids that are in high school nowadays don't have a clue as to what happened on D-Day. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just blew my mind. And I, I, I don't know how we're supposed to come together as a country when we don't even know our own history. And It, uh, it is a problem. No question about it. Um, but the only other thing I wanted to say real quick was uh, I bought your book, uh, the audio version of Unfeeling the Press. I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much, I bought a copy of it for my dad for Father's Day, and he's in the process of reading it right now. 
and he's he's absolutely loving it. And I, it's mind blowing that the things that you talked about in your book are happening right now as we speak, and it it, it just. It's crazy. Doesn't it help you? Doesn't it help you decode or decipher what you're hearing and what you're seeing? Yeah. Um, uh, momentously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's it's a great guide, and I really appreciate you doing that. And I congratulate you on the success you've had with your book. You know what, Sam? You sound like a great guy. You say you're a gas station attendant. Is that what you said? Yes, sir. I want to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press, and I want to sign you up for a one-year subscription to Levin TV, Blaze TV Network. So please don't hang up, and I want to thank you. I'd love to meet Sam one day, quite frankly. I'd love to meet him one day. David, Manhattan, New York, the great WABC, go! You're on, David, go! Good afternoon, Mark. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm always disagree. I'm also a Democrat. I was disagreeing with that caller scoop, although he had a very unique name, so I like that. Yes, the scoop. Just let Iran. What was that? Yes, yeah, scoop. They're like Scoop Jackson, but he's no Scoop Jackson. Anyway, go ahead. Maybe an ice cream scoop. Anyway, you know, I did, you know, he said that we should let Iran do what they want to do. We need to keep them in check. However, this is a very terrifying time, especially because we have a president who lies all the time, and I have a feeling he'll get us into war just to get reelected, and we do not need to start any more wars around the world. You're starting to sound like some of these guys on cable TV. Is this Jim Acosta? Uh, no. It's are, you, are you Jim Acosta? Must NBC. Are, are you Joy no, Reid? No, who not. is this? No. Uh let me tell you something, pal. It's Nancy Pelosi who lies like a rug. It's Chuck Schumer who lies like a rug. It's your party that gave us the Iran deal and funded these uh, terrorists. It's your party who eviscerated our military and this president who's had to rebuild it. So don't tell us about lies. Lies from Obamacare. Lies about the border. Lies about Medicare for all. Lies, lies, lies. That's what the Democrat Party does, and that's what the left-wing ideology is all about. Hello? I believe I ran over Donald Trump in this instance. Of course you would, because you're a Marxist. Because, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. What, you don't know me. I'm an American. And I Donald- can hear you. No, you're not an American if you, if you listen to a ran over Donald Trump. In fact, you they sound like a mental patient. Are you calling from St. Elizabeth's? What's Get out that? the phone, you padded cell moron. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. A couple things, ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready for the weekend. I think you're going to really enjoy our Sunday show on Life, Liberty, and Levin with one of the top constitutional scholars in the country. Michael McConnell. Professor McConnell is a former federal appellate judge. He runs the Constitution Center at Stanford University. We're going to travel through the Constitution like nobody has before, including impeachment and various other matters that I think you're going to find fascinating. 10 p.m. Eastern Time, as you know, on Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin. That's appointment TV. So that's where all we Levinites are going to meet. You're going to love it. I know you will. Number two, This weekend, as you travel to Costco and 
books a million, Barnes and Noble and so forth and so on, please get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press or you just go to Amazon.com. It's right there. You can have it delivered tomorrow. Uh, it's 40% off. I hope you'll get your copies. We're going to need it. You're going to need this pamphleteer. You're going to need the pamphlet, as I say, this book, in order to deal with uh, unraveling what's taking place with the media right in front of your eyes. 2020 will be the most important election in our lifetimes. Big issues are on the ballot. The border, the Second Amendment, late-term abortion, freedom of speech and conscience, most expensive of them all, health care. The liberals are pushing a plan called Medicare for All. They want to take a program seniors paid into all their lives and open it up to all comers, even the children of illegal aliens. It should be called Medicare for None because seniors will be forced to get in line with people who've paid nothing into the program. It's wrong. It's unfair. It'll destroy the world's greatest engine of healthcare innovation. And by the way, all private health care out the window. Where's the AARP? They support it. Why aren't they lobbying hard to stop it? They support it. The same AARP that backed Obamacare. That's why I'm urging all of you to join AMAC now. Because unlike the AARP, AMAC will fight hard against Medicare for All. Become a member at amac.us. That's amac.us. The stakes have never been higher. Visit amac.us and join today. Again, please get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, the hottest book in the country for a reason. You've heard the callers explain it as they call into the program. Read the five stars on Amazon.com and pass the word. The message is in the book. That's what's crucial. That's the mission. True freedom of the press. True freedom of the press. Every Friday, ladies and gentlemen, we play America by Ray Charles in honor of you. Because unlike the code pink Republicans and the Bernie Sanders leftists, we actually love this country. This is for you. Here we go.
folks, I'm going to be on the Ben Shapiro show on Sunday as well. You can go to any of his social sites or the Daily Wire site. We had a lot of fun. Great interview. Don't forget, Life, Liberty, and Levin again, 10 p.m. Eastern on the Fox News Channel this Sunday. And whatever you do, get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Join 300,000 of the rest of us. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. And good night, Gigi. And God bless America. And good night, Mom and Dad. Be well, my friend. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.